Welcome to the 3ND Podcast. My name is Sean Coleman, um, joining you again, and this time we are glad to welcome back Mr. Justin Lewis, uh, regular co-host. Justin, uh, a week or so ago, was uh, out with, with some uh, uh, work responsibilities, but uh, we had a Greg Ratliff on uh, to, to uh, kind of help me out for that episode. But Justin, it's great to have you back. How are you today? Man, I'm good. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Miss being on this thing, and uh, this is uh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, right now uh, Justin is is currently traveling, and you know, Justin, with where you're traveling, I know, you know, it's it, days like this are just frustrating because you know there's nothing really to talk about, and it's a boring six uh, you know hour drive, and then within an hour, boom, one of probably the most memorable days in terms of me and you. And our fandom, probably one more memorable days in the past couple of years. And, and we'll, we'll get into, um, you know, the specific parts of that in just a second. But um, obviously, with the focus being on the Grizzlies, the, the big, big news of the day um, just has come down within the past uh, 30 to 45 minutes. The Grizzlies have um, basically they have fired head coach uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, reassigned GM Chris Wallace to a scouting role, reassigned John Hollinger to a senior VP role and have moved Jason Wexler to president of basketball and business operations and also um, moved uh, Zach Clayman, I believe it's, it's Zach Clayman, to executive VP of basketball operations with Chris Makris and Tayshawn Prince all keeping their current roles. Um, Justin, we've talked about it, you know, to, 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 to you know, our heads can't keep spinning. Initial thoughts. What are you thinking? Uh, happy with happy with the developments? Uh, let me let me just put it out there like this. I am thrilled about the decision. I am not thrilled about how it went down. Um, JB, while he maybe not was the best in-game coach as far as uh, his APOs or his rotations or whatever, yes, he was built a, a rough hand with injuries did not deserve to be brought in front of the media um, to talk about the future and, and, and then to have the exit interviews with the players, according to Shams like five minutes ago, that he had the exit interview with all of the players talking about what they're going to work on this summer and the future vision of the team and then to get canned after he did that. So you were leading the players on to believe um, that he was coming back um, as far as Chris Wallace goes, his reassignment of scouting, I think my guess is there's something in his contract, whether it's a large buyout or something that we just want to avoid. So we're just going to reassign him to something that we're just putting him out of the picture until his contract's up. But it's about time that that guy um, had nothing to do with his team. If he's scouting, hopefully it's like scouting uh, opponents. We're sending him away to other arenas that we're not going to be anywhere near, or we're sending him overseas to look at uh, foreign scouts that uh, are foreign prospects that we know will never have a chance, so we don't have to listen to, to Chris Wallace speak anymore. But to, I, I get the fact that they've got to go out and do the exit interviews uh, because it's their their obligation of their job. But if Robert Parra and Jason Wexler already knew that this was a decision that was going to be made, this wasn't. It's not a good look um, that we did it the way that we did it today. They're like, what coach? with any type of um, respect or I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but 
uh, what coach with some with some experience is going to want to come into this where they get treated like that? And and so like I, I don't like how it went down, but I, I'm thrilled that it looks like that fresh start that we've all been calling for may actually finally be happening. And the thing that I'll say is this, is that you hit the nail on the head. You know, it came to the point to where it almost seemed like, you know, we were kind of to the point to where, you know, fans were just, you know, they were just simply ready for something, something to occur that would show a change of direction. Does this do it to an extent? You know, I, I, I've seen, you know, the analogy, you know, rearranging the, the you know, the deck chairs. And, and that makes some sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it has changed. Chris Wallace is not the decision maker or does not have a role in the roster decisions, which is important. But the thing is, is that Para, Robert Para, has not really changed his approach. I wrote about that. You've wrote about that. Para likes to keep things within his trust circle, no matter how much actual experience at running an effective basketball organization maybe you know within that trust circle with the people that he trusts i don't you know i know the name jason wexler i know the name zach Kleiman. you know i know those names but do i know how much uh they know in terms of basketball operations i'm sure they do have knowledge they they wouldn't be where they are if that's not the case but can they be effective at it you know we don't know and and the whole thing about keeping it in house versus going outside the organization I thought it was finally time where we were going to go to try to go outside the organization and, and, you know, that didn't work out as well, but, you know, keeping it just focused on the moves that were made. I do agree. The context of it was not good, but keeping in line with the moves that are made, obviously we now have a coaching search, which is on hand. Justin, in your opinion, do you feel that the coach that they need to look for, we've heard the name Chad Forcier, on the Grizzlies roster, do we feel like it makes sense to stick with him or should we go outside the organization and do an actual interview process? So what we've all been asking for is that we, that like you said, we go outside of the the organization for once. And with Wexler, it, it's still we're still putting a guy into a position where he has no experience in that position. We're still giving somebody their first taste of the job. He's great at business operations, but like you said, what does he know about basketball operations? Now, as far as claiming goes, we don't know what he's been doing day to day this entire season. Like we don't know what anybody's been doing. We don't know who's been calling the shots. What it sounds like, it, it, it may have been Wexler and Clayman all season long anyway. So when he comes to our coach, I will scream and pull my hair out that Chad Forcier is our hire. I am so tired of hiring guys that have no head coaching experience, hiring guys that are trying to get their their feet wet or because they were they know our players already or they're a player's coach. Like I, I don't want to see that again. Like I'm I don't I, it's it's not working. It hasn't worked. Um I'm I'm looking at guys like, hey, let's throw the bank at Mark Jackson. Let's call Jason Kidd. Uh, let's call um, Monty Williams in, in Philly. Why not look outside and get somebody that's been there, done that, somebody that, that these players will respect, 
rather than want to be buddies with. Because that's that's all that they they wanted in in Fisdale. He was the players' coach. Him and LeBron were buddies. Well, it didn't work out so well when he had to be coach. We need somebody that can come in and demand respect from these guys, and they will have it because of his resume and what he's been able to do in the NBA, rather than somebody coming in that's just familiar with these guys because he was in the organization this year. Like, Fortier may be a great coach, but he's not for the Grizzlies next year. And that's where I think it takes a wait-and-see approach. You need to let the dust settle. You know, you need to kind of see what's going on. In my thought process, I feel like that with Robert Para, Jason Wexler, Zach Clayman, I feel more like they're being put in place because for them to be the effective decision-makers make, to make the franchise structure run sound. Um, you've got Tayshawn, you've got Chris Makris in there, you've got some good minds. But John Hollinger's new job, you know, his old job, you know, that's out there. Just because the structure has been announced doesn't mean you can't add to it. You can always add pieces that have the experience we're looking for, that outside opinion or past success helping to build, you know, franchises. So I want to hold out hope. I want to give the benefit of the doubt that even though Para is again repeating what he's done in the past about you know going with his trust circle, perhaps this time he's doing it in a way to where he could say, "Hey guys, y'all run the structure, y'all run it, you know, from a business aspect, and make the right hires of basketball minds that can come in and influence the roster." That's my hope as far as the front office goes, coach wise. I do feel interviews are important. You need to see what else is out there. But I'm not necessarily turned off by the Chad Forcia idea. I get that it's an assistant coach. I get that it is a Grizzlies assistant coach. But the one thing that Forcia does have on his resume, he was with the San Antonio Spurs for nearly a decade. As most know, typically a, a, a um, source of good success for assistant coaches becoming good head coaches is the Spurs. Mike Boldenholzer, amongst others, a Tori Messina is someone that is looked upon as a top candidate. Chad Forcier has that experience of working with Pop. He has a good pedigree. If he winds up being the hire, I'm willing to give it a chance. I know I, I had spoke about Stackhouse getting an opportunity. But I think Chad Forcier, even though he right now is a Grizzlies assistant coach, he does have that outside you know, experience and good experience with the Spurs. And Justin, so when it comes to um, a new head coach, um, you know, as it, as I mentioned with Chad Forcier, the thing is, is that he has had outside experience. The structure that's put in place now, perhaps they do make more hires that have had success outside the organization, helping franchises be brought up. But but you hit on a point. You, you stated head coach, previous head coaching experience. Why do you feel that's so important for the Grizzlies' next move? Well, I think a lot of that has to do with it seems like we're moving on from Mike Conley. And if that's the case, then we're going to have a really young roster, uh, whether it's by age or by experience. Um, and so we need a coach that's got some experience to be able to manage, manage a roster that is in the middle of uh, somewhat of a rebuild. Um, and I, when I say head coaching experience, I don't mean let's bring in somebody that has had one year, two years of experience. Let's, let's bring in a guy that's done it for, for some years, made some playoff runs, um, because this team, I believe, could be capable of a, of a six to eight seed push next season. 
Um, and so I, I just think it's important that we got a guy that, that will come in and, and demand respect right away um, because of, of his resume, because of what he's done uh, as a head coach in the NBA, rather than uh, somebody that just has the potential to be uh, a good head coach in the NBA. So obviously, just it, it, this is basically if if the this is just basically a a whether you consider it positive, remaining the same. This is it's a big day in the history of the franchise, and and a lot um, of uncertainty. You know, a, a, a lot still has to be worked out. But with that being said, let's look a bit forward into the future. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the eleventh of April. Um, uh, basically when it comes down to it, you've got, um, you've got it to where you have the coin flip that is happening tomorrow, um, you know, to see if the Grizzlies do convey, do you feel that that is probably going to have a big impact on the direction, even on the direction of maybe who they hire or things like that. Do you how much impact on the future does the coin flip coin flip have tomorrow for the Grizzlies' future, Justin? Um, I think the coin flip is going to play. Um, and this is this is crazy to even think about. I think a coin flip determines the future of Mike Conley within the Grizzlies. I think that if Kim Bay, Mike Conley is getting traded this summer. Um, that will be bad, maybe. I mean, I still think we could be good if Jonas is coming back. And, and CJ told said the day that he plans on coming back, uh, we we reached that on right. Like I, we still have a chance to be good. Now, you know, who knows if the way things went down, if that you know changes the minds of of CJ and, and Jonas. But I think really what's going to happen is if we convey, Conley's definitely traded, and if we don't convey, which means that we need to convey next year, we, we hang on to Conley because he will definitely help us uh, convey next year. Uh, so I think the point that matters with Conley's future, now as far as the head coach goes, um, I'm not sure how much the point is really going to matter um, because whoever, if we're drafting um, – you know, six or eight, is that player going to come in and make the impact that Jane Jackson had right away? I don't think so. Um, so we just need to, we need to find a coach that has a clear direction of what the NBA looks like today. Walk away from trying to be grit and grind 2.0. When I looked at the stat today, um, our best lineup post Mark Gasol was Mike Conley, uh, Dale Wright, Bruno Caboclo, Justin Holiday and Jonas Valanciunas. So our power forward, quote unquote, was Bruno Cavoco. The offensive rating for that lineup was a 126, and the defensive rating was a 102. It was a plus 24 lineup with two point guards on the floor and a stretch athletic four. So if we can find a coach that can take our roster. And, and do something like that with the players that we have, that's what we need to do regardless of the point group. You know, and as you mentioned, um, you know, that, that is one thing that, that I will give JB a little bit of credit for. When we made the moves, and, and there's speculation that the new guys that are in place may have had impact on that more than Wallace did. But when we made the moves that we did, 
uh, we got in a roster that was more modernized, that was, you know, more offensively focused, and it made the Grizzlies competitive. Yeah, you know, we still had an under 500 record, but a lot of that had to do because the two acres of our defense were out, obviously. So take past the draft, when it comes to Jonas Valanciunas, comes to C.J. Miles, when it comes to those pieces that we got at the trade deadline, what impact do you think that has on this? Not necessarily from the Grizzlies' perspective, but from the players' perspective, from J.V.'s perspective, um, and, and, and Bradley's and Miles, do you think it makes a big impact on their decision to want to stay in Memphis? Yeah, so like I, I think um, the number one job of Jason Wexler today is climate control. Um, if I'm if I'm Wexler, I've got all the guys that can possibly walk at the end of this season and Mike Lee and off. And I'm casting vision right now. Like, hey, this is the kind of guy we're going to look for for coach. This is the kind of kid we want to play with going forward. Uh, and we want you guys. If that's what they want. They should. Jordan Shooters is number 12 in the NBA in player efficiency. He's one of the, he's the top 12 players in the NBA this year. We should want him back. So if this is the kind of team, and Mike Collins said in his interview today, like he believes that this kind of basketball that we were playing post-All-Star break is winning basketball that they can continue, then Wexler needs to have these guys in the, in the office. Hopefully he did not let these guys leave the forum uh, today without – doing some damage control because I, I think he could do some damage. It, it could call because one of the things that Valentino said was that he had a coach that believed in him. He had trusted him and, and rolled him out there and gave him the minutes and gave him the touches. So his concern is, okay, well, they're going to bring in a coach that uh, wants to run Jaron at the five and, and not really use me the way that, that I can be used. Well, I, I think it does have a chance to potentially affect those guys that are on, on player options. Um, and, it, and it affects the level of demand that Mike Conley may have on, um, you know, demanding a trade. Like, if I'm Conley, do I want to learn another system in Memphis? Well, if I'm going to learn another system, send me somewhere else where I got a chance to win a ring, and I'll learn a new system there. But quit making me learn a new system every other year or every year and a half for us to just make noise. And that brings up the next point, the, the the big decision, not the next big decision, obviously, but the one that probably will have the most impact over the summer um, when it comes to Mike Conley and, and or when it comes to the Grizzlies. And that's the decision with Mike Conley. You know, we've got plenty of time in the future. We'll get into what makes sense, you know, and does it make sense to move him where he might go. But just in general, your thoughts on his recent comments, the Peter Edmondston article that came out in The Athletic, um, his comments today. We've seen a shift with Mike Conley, someone that's been in the NBA more for a decade that has been known as one of the more underrated but one of the better guys in the league, such a team player. There's been a shift to where he clearly has is making it evident he wants to focus on him. And I don't take it as selfish. I take it as someone that is mean smart. He's done all he can. He's paid his dues. He's a smart man. He knows what's coming. He knows this is the best chance for him to find a better position for him to win, and that's what he is doing. He's making sure he makes his preference known. Your thoughts on Mike Conley's recent comments, and you know, should the Grizzlies really put an emphasis on making sure they do right by him in any move they make? 
Here's what I think about the whole deal. Mike Conley deserves everything he's asking for. And um, reading that article made me, like, I want to keep Mike Conley because he's, I, I think he may be in the middle of his prime at 31 years old. I think he still has good to great basketball ahead of him for the next three years or so, as long as he stays healthy. So, like, I want Mike Conley. So, reading his comments and the way that Edmondson wrote that story made me want more for Conley to go somewhere and be able to win a ring, uh, for him to get that recognition. I can guarantee you that if he was on the L.A. Lakers this year with LeBron James, Mike Conley would have been the NBA All-Star because he would have had the exposure to his game and he would have been next to uh, LeBron. And so, I think going forward, what I want to see happen with Mike in the front office and whoever comes in is, yes, we need to get pieces in return, but I don't want to see this front office ship him off to somewhere like Phoenix or Charlotte or somewhere that is not going to give him the opportunity to win that he deserves. Send him to L.A. to next to LeBron where he can have a chance to win. Um, send him to, to, to any team – that is just one piece away that Mike Conley could be that piece to compete for a championship because that's what he deserves. And I am now fully on board and supportive of Mike Conley being traded when before this article, this interview came out where he expressed his heart. Like we heard Mike Conley speak from his heart for maybe the first time. And now I'm just like, dude, go win your ring and be happy. And that is where I – I differ a bit, and, 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 and here's what I mean by that. I certainly feel and am completely on board with the idea of doing what is right by Mike Conley. That's what made the Marcus Gasol trade so good. It worked out for both teams. The Grizzlies did right by Gasol in sending him to an organization that clearly has a chance at a championship. The Grizzlies got back players that not only helped put them in a position to convey, which they still have a chance to do, but also that they could mold into the future of the franchise, could be in the future franchise plans. With Gasol, it did work out, but it's not an easy thing to do. And when it comes to Conley, if you're trading him to a team that's one piece away from a championship, it's typically going to be harder to find the best package you possibly could get for Conley from that type of team. And while we should do right by Conley, the Grizzlies also have to do right by themselves. They, with losing a draft pick over the next few years, they're limited. on And being a small market, they're limited on getting assets in. If Conley's your best avenue to do that, you still have to have that focus in mind. Do, do you think that plays a role? While they should do right by Conley, shouldn't they also balance out doing what they can to get the best return possible for the team? Yeah, they, they've got to find that Gasol-type deal for Conley, and that's why I think the Lakers is what makes sense. And I think there's actually some steam behind the Lakers conversation. Um, obviously, with their whole fiasco they, they've got going on, who knows what's going to happen um, with them. They, they claim that Polinka is still going to be in charge. But there's there is chatter that's more than just the blog boys' chatter going on, that, that the, the possibility of Mike to L.A. is a real deal. Um, and so... I believe that a Mike Conley, LeBron James, and then Kyle Kuzma, and that they're able to bring in um, another piece, 
and then they send back a Lonzo Ball and their lottery pick and or a Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and their lottery pick, that that's the win-win. That sends Conley to a place where he has a chance to win, and that sends us back young pieces that sets us up going forward. Speaking of going forward, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, the front office. We've talked about, you know, we'll have plenty to discuss. We don't want to obviously get into all the potential material that will come on. But um, the biggest, the big other thing that happened today was the uh, the uh, final interviews of the season with the players. You know, we saw Chandler Parsons talk, Jonas Valanciunas, um, Jared, just all, all the players talk. Obviously, as I, as I you know, had asked just a second ago, you know, what impact does this shakeup have on the players that are uh, making decisions on whether or not to stay in Memphis? What impact does it have on them? There is one player that Memphis does have an avenue to extend and keep in place, and that's Stallone Wright. And I think that me and you may be differing a little bit when it comes to Jonas Valanciunas. We could save that for another time. I had mentioned. Uh, on the podcast, on the last podcast, that I didn't know if keeping Jonas made the most sense long term, but with the Lone Right, I feel it does. And you recently wrote a piece about the Lone Right at Grizzly Bear Blues. In terms of Right, does he make sense? And do you feel that he can expand beyond what we've seen him be as a starter here over the past ten games or so? Yeah. So. The I remember the first moment where I was just like, all right, we, we got something in this kid. And that was when he got to start in, uh, against Oklahoma City in place of Mike Conley. Um, the dude balled out that night. I was like, uh, all right, we, we need to see this guy start more. We need, to, we need to give him some more opportunity because it seems like when he is trusted um, and he, he doesn't feel like he's going to be yanked because he makes a mistake or that his – that he's got to be super highly efficient in his limited minutes, um, that he goes up there and he plays free, this kid's good. I mean, you think about in Toronto, his minutes were limited because the guy in front of the two guys in front of him for years were Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and then they drafted Fred Van Vliet, and Van Vliet uh, went ahead of him because he could see the three ball a little bit better. Um, he's a little bit better defender as well. But we, we I think with Jonas and, and Delon is, is that – they just had an opportunity where they got the minutes and they had the ball in their hand and they got to just go out there and play basketball. Um, and it was pressure-free basketball because there wasn't pressure to win um, as much as, as there was in Toronto. And so the mistakes that they came, they weren't like, hey, we're going to sit you down. Um, and, I, and I think we are seeing, and it, and it may actually bite us in the butt because somebody may put us in a situation by sending him a – the max that he can receive, obviously his wouldn't be a max contract, but the max that he can receive as a restricted free agent, they may put us in a bond where we can't match that, or we've got to choose somewhere to do something to, to match it. And he's played so well that they're going to there's going to be teams that may send him an offer. Teams like a a Phoenix who needs a point guard or an Orlando who needs a point guard um, because he has played so well down the stretch. But it's if I'm the front office, I'm doing what I can to match and keep Dylan right because uh, I believe that we have something. I believe that we have a top three backup point guard in the NBA. Uh, I don't know if he's the best. I, Dennis Schroeder is a pretty good backup point guard. Uh, Terry Rozier is a pretty good backup point guard. Um, 
but we've got the backup point guard that we've never had. And if we trade Mike Conley, I think he is good enough and can perform well enough to start for this team for an entire season. I feel DeLone Wright is definitely a starter in the NBA. Um, I feel that, uh, well, for instance, just a random but just amazing stat for DeLone Wright. In the month of April, uh, over the past five games, I believe it is, he has three triple-doubles. Three of them. Okay? That has made, that is nearly 20% of the triple-doubles that have happened in the entire history of the Grizzlies, both in Vancouver and Memphis. Three of the 17 triple-doubles that have happened by a player in the history of the Grizzlies organization have been DeLone Wright and have happened over the past two weeks. So he has seized his opportunity to be a starter. Um, I feel it makes perfect sense to extend him. Now, do I feel that he's a $15 million a year player? No. I feel like that he would probably be in the range of Kyle um, Anderson's four-year $37.5 million contract. But Justin, let me ask you this question. When it comes to DeLone Wright, do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns long term about his lack of shooting and the fact that him being, you know, 27, you know, it's really not going to change. He is who he is. Yeah, so when I when I dove into some numbers, I got into some um, Twitter debate with some guy who just wasn't hearing anything. You might have saw it. It was on Mark Keene's thread. Um, I, I looked up Westbrook's stats, and I know DeLon Wright is not Westbrook, um, but they're similar in size, um, and it seems like they're similar in style of play because the Westbrook has more tenacity. He's uh, been like he, he's been like him over the past five games for sure. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Right. Well, <laughs> Westbrook had season after season after season where he shot below thirty percent from from three. Like he was shooting twenty two percent in some seasons, and and his career average is either thirty two percent or thirty percent. And even this year, he's shooting that bad. But nobody's saying anything about Russell Westbrook and how bad of a shooter he is because of the numbers he puts up. So if he play, if he was like a poor man, Russell Westbrook, I could care less if he could shoot at 37%, 38%. Like, you're going to go out there and, and you're going to be a point guard that scores 15 to 16 points, gets me five to six rebounds, and um, gets me six or seven rebounds? Come on, let's go. And so here's my thing when someone brings up about DeLon Wright's, um, you know, skeptical shooting ability. I completely get it. In today's game, you want someone that can shoot. You want a guy that can um, be able to have that part of his game in place. That's what makes Mike Conley so good. He can shoot the three just as well as he can get into the lane to do the floater. However, DeLone Wright makes up for his inability to consistently shoot by a consistent ability to get to the basket. DeLone Wright, just like you had mentioned with Russell Westbrook, he is a bigger point guard. He's more of a combo guard. He's a bigger guard who knows how to use his body and has a basket of tricks to where he will be able to get into the lane and also be able to get free throws. Um, In his career, 
he uh, nearly 45% of his shots have come within three feet of the basket. In his career, when he gets to within three feet of the basket, he has made nearly 60%, 61% of those shots. So while the shooting may not work, if nearly half the time you are getting to the basket and you're making 60% of those shots, I still say you're being pretty effective on offense. To add to that, where he does directly make up for not being able to hit the outside shots consistently, he knows how to find guys when he is driving. He knows how to dish it out to a guy who has a better chance of making that shot. So yeah, while the outside shooting may not be a strength of DeLone Wright's game, he's effective enough in other ways and resourceful enough in other ways to be able to make up for that. And the big key for me about being able to extend him and keep him in Memphis long term is the fact that the game is going more towards an offensive-oriented, guard-oriented game. You want to try to contend, DeLone Wright makes sense. You want to rebuild, DeLone Wright is able to sit here and help other players develop, and he can get the, keep the ship going in the right direction. So in, all, in terms of all the players on the Grizzlies roster besides Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr., I think that the emphasis of this player needs to be in our future plans focuses solely on DeLone Wright after those two. With that being said, we've talked about DeLone Wright, we've talked about JV. Obviously, we have a couple of other players who are likely going to be on the team next year who have been playing well as well. Justin, your thoughts on Javon Carter and his recent um, stretch of very good shooting, um, you know, from outside the three-point line? Um, yeah, I'm not – I've never been a disbeliever um, in, in Javon Carter and his shot uh, because he, he'll light it up in the G League. He, he shot it well in college. Um, I think some of it is um, maybe pressure on himself. Maybe it's the, the speed of the NBA game he's still trying to catch up to. Um, and honestly, some of it is he's, he's practicing with the Grizzlies, going down and playing with the hustle that night and then coming back and, he did a little bit more travel than these guys, but his legs might not have been under him as much. Um, I, I think he, he proved that he's deserving of a, of, of a chance next year. Um, but I, I don't think he's uh, much more than a you know, average backup point guard going forward in his career. I had recently wrote a piece on Tyler Dorsey, and I myself have not been – um, the biggest believer in Javon Carter. I, I don't know if his offense is going to be enough to keep him on the floor. But if he shoots like this, he, I mean, obviously he's not going to, but if he can consistently be, you know, uh, a guy who could shoot above 40% from, you know, long range, you know, he, he can be a 3 and D guy. It's just going to be harder for him to be able to do it with his body size. I also talked about a little bit about Tyler Dorsey, um, you know, how he probably is more, more trending towards a Marshawn Brooks and really a, a solidified bench piece for the future. But it, it does go to show. We, we, we both had talked about it as we're ending up here today. Me and you both have talked about it to where one goal that we had hoped for was that younger players would, still, would get the chance to prove themselves. I know injuries have been a big reason for that. But just as we, as we end, end the show for today, just one last thought. Are you happy overall with what you have seen from 
basically the second level of future Grizzlies. Bruno Caboclo, Javon Carter, Dorsey, um, Dylan Brooks, Ivan Rab. Are you happy with what you've seen from them in terms of their development, uh, you know, to where they could form a good bench in the future? I, I would say that the, the biggest development that I saw with Bruno um, is he went from uh, catching the ball and jacking it up in his 10 days to he's looking like the player that we we would want him to be, the, the guy who, who's driving in the lane and, and using his length, uh, his length to, to, to score. Still don't know why he won't dunk on anybody. He, he, he hasn't said he don't want to lay it up, but he's, um, he's driving and he's, he's dishing on the drive. His, his length on defense has been great. So his development, I think he's had his, his most. But I'm not impressed with Alvin Rabb's development. It, it almost seemed like he regressed toward the end of the season when he was relied upon more. It's almost like he's only going to be good for spot eight to ten minutes here and there. He's not somebody that can be relied upon for uh, long stretches of a season because uh, for whatever reason, his numbers just didn't look as good towards the end, whether he was just wore down or uh, he couldn't, he couldn't, he obviously couldn't hang with the bigger bodies before we had to, had to start Tyler Zeller uh, when he had only been with the team for, for two games um, to be able to bang with uh, Andre Drummond. So overall, with most of the young guys, yes, Alvin Rad, I'm still a little concerned about, and I, I wouldn't be upset if we ended up not bringing him back. I don't know what his contract situation is. Maybe it's a, it's a team option. Um, but the rest of the guys, I think we've got some good young pieces to build a bench around. When it comes to Rab personally, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I had I'd wrote a little bit about Rab earlier this year, and numbers do suggest, and we've seen it in a few games. I remember especially a late-night game in Portland, and there was another game uh, here, maybe against the Pelicans. Rab has, done, on multiple occasions, been an energy guy. Coming in, you know, for five to seven minutes as a, to, 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 as a sub, and energy, his rebounding, his putback ability, he really has made a difference. He kept the Grizzlies, you know, either gave them a lead or kept them afloat while the starters were out. I think that has value on the team. I think he can play that role very well, but I think you're correct. That 12 to 15-minute time frame, two short spurts each game where he can come in, his body type is just built for that. I think he's a player that's overexposed, kind of like Tyler Dorsey was this year. He's overexposed if he gets above 20 minutes. He's not a starter. He doesn't play good enough defense, just is limited with his quickness and movement to really be able to, you know, play at the standard he needs to for, you know, 30 minutes or so as a starter. But I, I do think that, especially on a team where the franchise post player, his clear weakness is rebounding, I think that Ivan Rapper is a pretty good player to keep around because of with the strengths that he has and also the energy boost that he can be. Justin, obviously we've had a lot of talk about. It's been great seeing all this happen. What we had hoped for has occurred, maybe not in the best of ways, maybe not in the most tactful ways, but it has occurred. One last thing from you. What are you hoping is the very next move the Grizzlies make? Oh, uh, I would say let's fire our team trainers. <laughs> you want to fire the team trainer? We have thirteen guys hurt. Like let's let's get a new new guy in there that has some different ideas of how to take care of our players' bodies. Three hundred and eleven potential games this year were missed because of Grizzlies injuries. 
So I think that's a very good call. Obviously, to all our listeners, thank you so much for being with us. It's a big day. It's a new day. It's an exciting day. The big, big thing is, is that when it comes to us being able to get this squared away, what we need to focus on now, I feel as a franchise, is getting the structure as solid as possible and then making good, sound decisions. Unfortunately, a lot of that depends now on a coin flip that happens Friday. Um, in terms of, you know, seeing whether the Grizzlies convey or not, but exciting things are happening. Glad these things are happening. Justin, do you have anything to end us with as we, as we get off, uh, um, uh, as we head off the podcast this week? No, I would just say, um, have your Twitter alerts on. We got lots of happening right here. Um, we don't know if, They've already got people up their sleeves. We'll probably get some names start to leak out for candidates. Um, turn to NBA TV tomorrow at 340 um, to see the coin flip, and uh, we'll see what happens. I do want to say this. I didn't get to say it the last two weeks. This is a basketball pod with the Atlanta Braves have locked up Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies on bargain deals. Let's go, Braves. I will say that the reason why it's also a very good day is because of the fact that the Braves have been able to do that. Um, For those who may not keep up with baseball or for those that do keep up with baseball, um, Ronald Acuna, Ozzie Albies, one of the most dynamic duos that is out there in terms of an offensive duo on a team for the future. Braves have got them at very good deals. It's it's an exciting time for me and Justin, but mainly the reason why is because it's an exciting time for the Grizzlies – a huge, huge offseason coming off one that was successful last year. Hopefully, we'll start this one off um, with the right moves to make roster moves that will make um, our transition into a new era as successful as possible. Well, Justin Lewis, my name is Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for joining us on the 3D Podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.